0: It's actually going to go right along with the message this morning, but Heath and I did not coordinate that, but aren't you glad there's somebody at work who can coordinate this when we do and we don't? Good to see you here today in God's house, and glad you came out on such a beautiful day, you know? A lot of times we miss church when it's rainy and it's dark outside, and then when it's sunny, it's too hot to come to church, so we can't have it both ways, you know? If we're going to miss when it rains, we have to be here when the sun shines, and boy, it's a beautiful day outside, and thank the Lord for life, Thank the Lord for opportunity that we had to come to church this morning. Some folks went to bed last night and didn't wake up, but God saw fit to put a beat in our heart and to put breath in our lungs this morning and allow us to be at his house. Just what a beautiful day. It's always a beautiful day to go to church, but it's just a beautiful day outside. And had a great week here at the church, kicked off soccer yesterday, no pun intended, but kicked it off yesterday and had a great time out there. And I think we've come up with a new fundraiser for the seniors, you know, uh, the seniors always trying to raise. Money for something, and uh, I told him yesterday. I says we need to start renting out umbrellas around the soccer field. That'd be a great idea, five or ten bucks because the sun was out in full force yesterday. And uh, one good thing that came out of it, the spot up here that has less hair than the other spots is getting a little bit more tan. So when I, when I lean over to read the Bible, I won't blind as many of you that I usually blind. I noticed that on the live stream the other day that uh, it's got that little juice spot on the top of my head there when I, uh, when I read. But it is good to be in God's house. So glad you came and joined us here today at Central, and I hope you're looking forward to what God has for us in the service. Let's take our Bibles, turn to the Old Testament this morning to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua this morning, and I think you'll see here in just a minute how uh, the message will go right along with what Brother Heath sang about this morning. The book of Joshua, we're going to pick up in verse number one when you'll get there, chapter one, verse one, when you find it, let's stand. And we're going to skip through into chapter six. We're not going to read all of it, but Joshua chapter one, I quote this verse often. And we're going to go all the way to Jericho from Joshua chapter 1, so let's buckle up, hang on, and start reading in chapter 1, verse 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give give to them even to the children of Israel. So there's the promise given again, once again, to Joshua. So pick up in chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. We know the story there. As the two men go to spy out the land, they come to Rahab's house in chapter 2. And Rahab gives them safe haven. In verse 12, she asked of them in, in return for that. Now, therefore, I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will show, also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. Now, skip all the way over, if you will, to chapter number 6. As the children of Israel has now, have now marched their way across Jordan and have reached Jericho, in chapter 1, of verse number 6, the Bible says this, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. The Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given, uh, given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word this morning, and thank you for the message that you've sent. And Lord, I believe this is what you'd have us to preach today. I pray, Father, you'd give us liberty, you'd give us boldness, give us power and discernment as we seek to preach your word the way you'd have it preached today. We pray most of all for the Holy Spirit's leadership, and Lord, the stirring of your spirit this morning, and the hearts of those that are saved, and the hearts of those that aren't, that they would be saved. Pray your will be done in this service today, for it's in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Many years ago, we were at our camp there in Jeff Davis County that mom and dad still run, and uh, we, we play a game every year. We usually do around Thursday night, and we call it manhunt. And manhunt is just a glorified version of hide-and-go-seek it's not very cool for 15 and 16 year old guys to play hide and go seek. And so we rebranded it and we call it manhunt and we break off, and some of the guys bring camouflage some of the guys face pain and all of these things. We'll go out there and we'll just play and have a good old time for several hours on Thursday night, the last night together and just playing hide and go seek out there in the woods. And I remember one time when we finished the service. I was not able to go out with the first group that was hiding. So I said I'll be on the finding group and uh, I've got some things to do in the dining hall. I don't know if it was counseling or or speaking with someone. You guys go ahead and hide with the the other counselors, and I'll, I'll be on the seeking team. And so they came in, knocked on the door, and says, hey, they're hidden. Time's up. Let's go get them. And so I grabbed my flashlight, and we take off out there in the woods. And I usually like to just kind of do a spot-and-stalk technique. It's one of the best techniques in hide-and-go-seek, okay? You can adopt that. It'll work really well for you. Just go find a good spot and sit still, and sooner or later, they're going to chicken out and start walking back toward base, or sooner or later, they're going to start talking, and you just walk over, and you catch them. So I went over and got me a good spot where I could see the entire wooded area that I could kind of uh, ambush the guys, and I saw something. That literally took my breath away As I'm standing out there in the woods Looking through the pine thicket there That we were playing in I noticed a set of sneakers moving through the woods With light up heels on them At first I was a little bit creeped out You You hear about those ghost lights and stuff like that And I didn't know quite what it was But I realized it was a pair of those sneakers That light up when you walk And evidently, one of the young people did not have the discernment to think that you do not go play hide-and-go-seek with light-up sneakers on. Uh, it was funny it was, it was when I caught up with him and pointed it out to him, then he realized it. It took me catching him before he realized it's not a good idea that if you're going to go play hide and go seek, you can't hide very well when you have sneakers that light up on them. Now, that may seem obvious to us today, but I'll tell you, the, the world we live in, common sense is not very common anymore. I think we should probably call it uncommon sense because it's uncommon anymore. Matter of fact, I was going to show you a picture. I saved it, but I didn't get it into the the system this morning. There was a man arrested. I forget where it was at, but you can Google it and see a picture of him. Uh, This man went in to rob this convenience store, and evidently they tell you at robbery school that when you go in to rob a store, you're supposed to put a bag over your head. And so the man goes into the convenience store to rob the convenience store. Sure enough, he has checked the bag over his head. The bag just so happens to be clear. And so, it didn't work very well, and they, they identified him off of the surveillance video and arrested the man, okay? So, not very smart there. If you're going to try to do a, do a robbery, make sure you at least get a bag that's, that covers your complexion. Make sure there's some holes. You are going to need some holes to look through if any of you want to do that. Just be sure you tithe off of it uh, when you do it, okay? Or do it for the senior fundraiser. They, they're always needing money, okay? But here's what I want to get at, too. Here's what I want to get to. There's no use going and playing hide-and-go-seek if you have light-up shoes, okay? It doesn't work very well to go out there in the woods. It's it's not going to work for you. It doesn't work very well if you go to rob a store, rob a bank with a clear bag over your head. It's just not going to turn out very well. But can I tell you something even more ridiculous? It's what Jericho is doing in Joshua chapter 6. We see Jericho, this city, this mighty fortified city in Joshua chapter 6, and they are mortal men trying to hide from an almighty God. Now as goofy as we think it is for a young person to go play hide and go seek with light up sneakers or for someone to go try to rob a convenience store with a clear bag over their head, as much as we know that's not going to turn out very well, I'll tell you it's much worse for mortal man to try to hide out from an almighty God. We know the story of Jericho, we've heard it since we were children, been in Sunday school and talked about how Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came Tumbling down You could have sang along It would have been alright right. have been alright to sing along Relax a little bit It's okay to enjoy yourself in church But you think about Jericho This mighty fortified city When you look at the excavations of it They had a lower wall And then a kind of a steep mound of earth A ramp if you will Leading up to the bigger wall And these were wide enough That you could drive a chariot across the top You look at the walls of Jericho And they had houses built into the wall To give you an idea of the space that was there And this was a mighty fortified city The Bible says when the people of God came upon it in chapter number 6, verse 1, that the city was straightly shut up. They had closed the doors, they closed the windows, they closed the gates, where nobody came in and nobody went out. Here's the only problem with Jericho. It's a mighty city, it's well built, it's structurally sound, it's militarily solid. But the problem is with Jericho is that God was on the outside of the walls, rather than on the inside of the walls. Now listen, understand this morning that when the people of God marched up to Jericho, and the Bible says they carried the ark of God, which represented the presence of God that was with his people, that God was on the outside of the wall. And no matter how much that they had built, and no matter how much planning they put into the defenses of the city, the city would ultimately fall because God was on the outside of the wall and not on the inside of the wall. So say, well, how does that relate to us this morning? Well, it's simple. So often we see people, and we try to build a secure life. We try to build our homes. We try to build our lives. We even dare try to build churches. And you look at our country today. We're trying to build a country, and we're doing all of this preparation and all of this planning, and we're doing the best that we can do. But the problem is we're missing the key ingredient on the inside, and that's God. What would ultimately bring down the walls of Jericho was the fact that God was on the wrong side of the wall. Now, I believe this morning you look at so many of the lives of Christians. we I talk about lost and saved alike today. We're missing the key ingredient in what we build. We're trying to build our homes. We're trying to raise our children. We're trying to build our churches. We're trying to repair this country. But we're missing the key ingredient, and the key ingredient is God. That was Jericho's problem. I looked at pictures last night. Archaeologists are still excavating the site of what is left of Jericho. And because the people at Jericho, and here's the message this morning, they were hiding behind walls that won't work. They were hiding behind walls that won't work. And I believe this morning in the church, we have a bad habit of this. We try to build and do the best that we can do. We try to put so much thought and effort into it, and yet so often we exclude bringing God into the mix. God is the binder that holds everything together. With God, all things are possible, but flip it over without God, it's going to fail and it's going to fall. And I believe this morning, both lost and saved alike, a lot of us are like people at Jericho. We're hiding behind walls that are not going to work. The people of Jericho, they hunkered down and they braced themselves and the people of Jericho was going to hold out but I hate to tell them it was not going to last. Now this morning, there's no hope for the people of Jericho but there's hope for us this morning if we can realize what we're missing and what we're trying to build. So we're going to look at the wall of Jericho this morning and we're going to see what what Jericho and the people of Jericho looked to those walls to be and how they were missing out. So notice number one in verse number one. The Bible says, now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none went in. So when the people heard that God's people were coming, they shut the doors, they shut the gates, they shut the windows. Nobody went out and nobody came in and they're going to trust in their wall to get them through. Now, let me tell you, they had put a lot of work into these walls. These were not what we think of as a garden fence, you know? I have a fence all the way around my house. It's a wooden fence. I have a chain link fence all the way around the backyard of the house uh, that we live in. We're not talking about that. We're talking a wall that's very uh, many meters thick. We're talking about a wall that's a lower wall, and you go up this ramp of earth, and there's a, a higher wall. It took a lot to build all of this. And when you looked at the walls of Jericho, what you were looking at was their best effort. They were doing their best to build something that would last. But because God was on the outside rather than the inside, their best effort would fall. Can I tell you something this morning? In spite of all the planning, all the preparation, and all the effort you may put into your life this morning, if your life is missing the key ingredient and God is on the outside of the wall, your best effort will fail. I see it happening all the time. We think we can manufacture and replace God with something that we can do of ourselves. I think we ought to take John 15, 5 seriously this morning. When the Bible says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. You know, the branches come off of the vine. The vine is what gives the branches life. The vine is what allows the branches to do anything that they do. Anything that a branch is able to accomplish, it owes to the vine. If that branch is able to produce leaves, it owes it to the vine. If that branch is able to produce grapes or muscadines, hey, he owes it to the vine. But The Bible says, "Ye abide in me and I in you, the same bringing forth much fruit. In the last part of John 15, five, the Bible says, for without me, ye can do Nothing. Look, I know smart people, I know strong people, I know capable people, but our best effort will always fall if it doesn't include the key ingredient of God. Jericho's about to find that out. That The best effort that they could put forth, and I'm going to tell you, it was wonderful. The wall was massive. I mean, they had, they had put all of this engineering into their protection, but their best effort would fail. Why? Because God was on the wrong side. I see families falling today, like the walls of Jericho. Do you know why? Because they think they can do it without God. We can build our home because we have a good job, we have a great degree, and we can build our home and we can be successful because we have a good job, we have a lot of money. Let me tell you, your best effort this morning is futile without God, and your life will prove God right one way or the other. I told the Sunday School class this morning, we will prove the will of God by omission or by obedience, but you're going to prove the will of God. You will prove by obedience that the will and the word of God is true by the blessings of God on your life and the power of God on your life and the providence of God in your life. You'll prove obedience that way, or you'll prove God's word is right through omitting it, just like Jericho did. Several times in my life, I've tried to make biscuits. Don't work out too well for me. Biscuits, bricks, they're kind of synonymous when I, when I make them. I remember one of the first times I tried to make biscuits. I wasn't married yet. And uh, I'm one of those guys that just, just want to figure it out. I told you the other day, DIY, you know, that's me. I just want to figure it out. And I've watched enough food, uh, food Network. Surely I can do this, you know, and take a little flour, and a little shortening, all that, mix it all together. and They always used to come out so hard. I remember talking to my wife several years later when I made some biscuits. She says, Well, did you put any baking powder in them? Of course not. She says, You need that baking powder in there to get them to rise. She said, That's why you use self rising flour. Interesting. I thought flour was flour. I figured when it said all purpose, it was good for all purposes. I mean, biscuits a purpose, is it not? It said all purpose, so I figured all purpose. Hey, you can make biscuits with something that says all purpose. You can't. Why? The difference in all purpose flour and self-rising flour is one key ingredient, and it's baking powder. And that baking powder makes the whole difference. Oh, does it make a difference in the biscuits? I mean, they're hockey pucks, you know, and you put that baking powder, man, it it does what it does, that one key ingredient, and that's how God is for our life. You can add ingredient after ingredient after ingredient, and it's going to turn out wrong. Why? Because you're omitting the one thing that you need. That's what Christ told the Pharisees. He says, you've omitted the weightier matters. You've done this, you've done that, and you've done this, and you've added this to the recipe and added this to the recipe, but you're missing what you need. Jericho would find out that their best effort would fail because God was on the wrong side of their wall. Now, folks, if you're building your life and your home and raising your children this morning, I pray that God is right there in the middle of the mix. If you will read about when the children of Israel would set up the the tents around the tabernacle, they would set up their tents by tribes around the tabernacle. Now, the reason I'm drawing emphasis to that this morning is the tabernacle is where the ark of God was held. It's where the presence of God came down. And he says, I want you to put your homes and your tribes and to pitch the tents all the way around it. You see, God was the centerpiece of the civilization. Now, folks, you see in Jericho, God was not in their civilization, If you want God, listen, you want your home to hold together, you want your family to hold together, you want this church to hold together, God has got to have his rightful place on the inside of the wall, not on the outside of what you're trying to build. Jericho would crumble, this mighty fortress of Jericho, like the Roman Empire would crumble, and like America will one day crumble if it doesn't put God back on the inside where he belongs. Now, folks, hear me out today. You go to Italy. I've never been to Italy. I flew over Italy one time. I was five miles from Italy. It was just straight up. So I tell people I, I was within five miles of Italy. It was, I couldn't pull over and, and go down there and see it. But you go to Italy, you, you tour the, the ruins of Rome. All oh, this mighty city that had the, the Colosseum and all of the architecture that was there. The problem, God was not in the middle of it. And that's why you view the ruins. That's why we view the ruins of homes today. That's why you can travel all over America and see the ruins of churches that used to stand on this book. What happened? They started building something and God was on the outside of their wall. And your best effort, the best effort, the best that you can do is futile without God. Bible says in verse number one, they thought they could handle it through what they had built. Romans chapter 10, the Bible tells us this, I'll read it for you. The Bible tells us there's an alternative to God. Romans chapter 10, look down to verse number three. The Bible says this: "For being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God." What are we talking about this morning? We're talking about how often, listen, when you don't submit yourself to God and the righteousness of God, the only alternative is to go establish your own. That's these folks that are trying to work their way to heaven. Now understand, this goes for lost or saved alike. We go soul winning and knock on somebody's door and inevitably every time we go out soul winning, knock on somebody's door. I, I try to ease into it. You know, I don't just square up on it. If you died right now, that's a good way to get arrested, okay? So try to ease into it a little bit with people. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you here today. And talk to them for a minute and just say, hey, we're out. Knocking doors, we we'll invite you to church. Hey, before I go, can I ask you one more question? If you died right now, are you sure you go to heaven? I say, look, you know, look, the Lord saved me. And boy, how wonderful it is. I have a home in heaven. I want everybody to have that. Are you sure if you died right now, you're going to heaven? Inevitably, someone will tell me I'm doing the best I can. Doing the best I can. I say, well, look, can I tell you, look, I'm sure you're doing good, and I don't try to beat folks down, and I don't try to make folks feel bad. I try to tell them the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. I try to tell them, for all have sinned. We're all going to come short of the glory of God. That means on our best day, doing the best that we can. Listen, if you're lost here this morning, your best is not going to be good enough. Why? Because you've got to have God in the mix. The Pharisees thought that if they could just do religion real well, that it would be enough. But he says, you're as whited as sepulchers. You look really good on the outside. And on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You see, what matters is what's on the inside. Jericho's problem was not what was on the outside. The outside was great. But on the inside, they were void of God. Isaiah 64, 6, the Bible tells us the best we can do is as filthy rags. Can you imagine the affront it is to God? When he sent his son down from glory to live 33 sinless years, to die and to to suffer and to die for your sin and mine, and for us to have the audacity to hold up our good works as on an equal playing field as the sinless life of Christ. The best that we can do is filthy rags. Don't you dare this morning hold up some type of good works on the same level as the sinless sacrifice of Christ. It will never be enough. He says it's filthy rags. We have nothing that we can offer to him. That's why he offered everything in his son. So understand this morning, listen to me, your best effort, if you're lost here this morning, you can go to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night until the day that you die. It'll never be good enough. Why? Because with God, all things are possible. Without him, you can do nothing. It's through Christ, not of works. You see, if God's not in the middle of it, this thing is going to fall apart. That's when the Bible says that Jericho would crumble, and they're excavating the ruins of it today. I see it in the lives of saved people, not just lost. You know, we we amen and we're excited about the fact that we can do nothing to be saved. But I'll tell you, saved people, we have just a bad habit. We try to substitute everything other than God. I'm going to rely on my intelligence. I'm going to rely on my experience. I'm going to rely on everything else but trusting God to do through me what only God can do. I talked to a young man several years ago. My wife and I stood in their living room begging this young man to get his family in church. As we sat there and we talked with this husband, he says, look, I don't have time right now. Here's what he said. He says, I grew up not having this and not having that. I grew up having hand-me-down this and hand-me-down that. And so I've got a job. I have to be gone all the time. And I can't be to church, but I'm got a job where I can make sure my child has everything they could ever want and everything I never had. And oh, how sad that he provided everything she could ever want, but not what she needed. She needed a daddy in her home is what she needed. She needed a daddy that would take mama and and, and little one to church, but she didn't get that. He gave her everything she could ever want, but not what she needed, and the home flew apart. Why? Because he was doing his best effort, but it didn't involve God. Can I tell you something, mom and dad? There's nothing wrong with doing your best for your children. But when your best does not include God, you're not doing your best. If making sure your children are, not in, ch- are in church, making sure your children know how to walk with God, making sure your children know that they're saved. I had a dad come to me one time, and his dad says, Look, One day when my son gets old enough to get saved, will you tell him about Jesus? I said, I'd be glad to, but why don't you do it? Amen. Right in the middle of our church, staying right in the middle of the aisle after a vacation in Bible school, when my child gets old enough, will you tell them about Jesus? I said, why don't you? Amen. Folks, listen to me this morning. Understand, it's our responsibility to make sure that our children and that our homes and our church and our country has the key ingredient to hold it all together, and that's making sure God is smack dab in the middle of it. Because we can build wonderful walls and we can build wonderful programs and we can build wonderful houses and have wonderful possessions. But as Jericho, it'll all crumble if God is not in his rightful place. Psalms 127.1 says it well. The Bible says, except the Lord build the house. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. I'm afraid that As in the walls of Jericho, so much of what we do is in vain. Why? Because the Lord's not building it. We're doing our best, but we're doing our best without Him. You see this in Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20. Think about this, if you will. Red letters, the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Let's do some geography together. If He's knocking, where's He at? He's talking to the churches in Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 3. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is knocking on the door of his own house. Why? Because he's not on the inside. I fear we've built a lot in America and we call it a church today. But Jesus is on the outside knocking, trying to get in. Be careful this morning. Our best effort is futile if God does not have his rightful place. I like what Moses had to say in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 15. He told Lord, and I'm paraphrasing, if you don't go up with me, I don't want to go. Moses says, if you don't go up with us, if your presence is not with us, I don't want to go. Can you imagine what God would do with Central Baptist Church if every heart and every home and the collective body of this church decided we're not doing a thing if God's not in the dead center of it? Oh, how God would bless Oh, how we would see fruit abound if we just realized that without him, we can do nothing. There used to be a song years ago. I haven't heard it in a long time. It says, I can't even walk without holding your hand. You remember that song? I used to think, yes, I can. I can do a whole lot of stuff. You know, I I can talk and I can walk. And God says, are you sure? I don't know that I want to prove him right by trying it, do you? Number one, these walls were their best effort. But there were walls that wouldn't work. The second thing, the Bible says they were straightly shut up. Now, I want you to think about what's happening here. What they're deciding to do at Jericho is ride out the storm. That's what they decided to do. They looked at their walls. They look at their defenses. In the Bible, if you look in chapter 2, we won't do that. But chapter 2, the Bible says that they were afraid. They were scared. The Bible says of the terror. The Bible uses the word that to describe when they saw them coming, but rather than flee, you know what they did? They decided, you know what? We're going to hunker down and just go with what we got. Number two, these walls were the source of their satisfaction. The source of their satisfaction. Here's what they decided they would trust in. They would decide that we're going to trust that what we have is good enough. Now, we know the backstory; It would not be good enough, but I want you to see a principle here today. There's something that prevails in the life of lost people and saved people alike, and it's this overwhelming consensus of satisfaction that I'm okay. I'm good as I am. The church at Laodicea, what did they say? I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. They were satisfied as is. I fear this morning that many of the walls in our life Many of the walls in our homes, in our churches will come crumbling down. Do you know why? Because we are lulled to sleep with satisfaction of what we already have. Oh, Jericho would find out that these walls would not work. You think about that church at Laodicea when they says we have need of nothing. They said, you know what? We're good. We're good. We're rich. We have all we could ever need. Think about exactly what they say. Christ said in Revelation, thou sayest. Thou sayest. So here's the church at Laodicea making decisions on advice that they gave themselves. Look, I don't, I don't have a problem with smart people this morning, but be careful giving yourself bad advice. Okay? Be careful. That's what the Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. Be careful giving yourself advice that is contrary to what thus saith the Lord, because he would come back and say, you're wretched, miserable, blind, naked. That's who you really are. You look at when he says, Thou sayest, they were satisfied with what they thought. We think we're okay. I think I'm okay. It says, Thou sayest, I am rich. They were satisfied with what they say. They were satisfied with what they had. Increased with goods and have need of nothing. They were satisfied with who they were. Be careful this morning hiding behind walls of satisfaction. Be careful. The Holy Spirit of God stirs our hearts. You know why God sends messages? God sends messages to his people because he wants to change his people and grow his people because he loves his people. But so often it appears that God sent the message to nobody because the Holy Spirit evidently didn't stir anybody's heart at times. Folks, can I tell you that's satisfaction, We've gotten to a place where we're content with what we have. I want you to know, contentment is a wall that will not work. Satisfaction is a wall that will not work. Jericho thought, you know what, we're going to shut the doors, we're going to close the gates, and we're going to just ride this thing out. You'll not ride out God. Can you understand that this morning? We see that over in the Bahamas right now. Look at the devastation. They said over 2,500 people are still missing. Bodies intermangled with all of the debris and the trees that have been blown up that are there. And I know some people could not get off the island and oh, wow, our prayers were with those people. But they said we're going to ride it out. We're going to try to ride it out. Look, as bad as it is trying to ride out a Category 5 hurricane, it's worse than that. Thinking that you can stand on the inside of your wall when God's on the outside. You'll not make it. Listen, let's not be satisfied with God being on the other side of the wall. Why don't we we be unsatisfied until we've got God in the dead center of our lives, the dead center of our homes and our churches? Oh, how we would see God bless. I love the song. I haven't sang it in years. Uh, matter of fact, this is my dad's church, the last place I can remember singing it. The song, Little is Much When God is in it. Think about those words. Little is much when God is... In it, We look at Jericho, they were not little. Jericho was great. Jericho was mighty. Jericho was strong. But their problem was God was not in it. And that's why the walls came crumbling down. Folks, listen, Jericho's in this book for a reason. To show us that when God is on the outside of your wall, your best effort and what you're satisfied with will come eventually crumbling down. That's why David says in Psalm 71, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. He says, you know what? I'm sticking with you. I'm making sure that you're the center of my life. Psalms 20, verse 7, it says, some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Can I ask you today, are you trusting in your horses? Are you trusting in your chariots? Are you trusting in something that has brought you satisfaction other than God this morning? Understand this. Satisfaction and contentment are walls that are not going to work. It may be good enough for you now. I don't know about you, but I am easily pacified. I am easily pacified. If I can find an excuse, I will put something off until tomorrow just like that. I hate to tell you, but that's just the truth. It's easy for me to say, you know what? Uh, I'll do that later and be pacified with that. But putting off, making sure God is part of your construction is not something you can afford to wait to do. I read a story just the other day. I believe it was the anniversary of Camille, 1969. I was not there uh, for that. But I uh, read an interesting story that it was in Past Christian, Mississippi, and that's what caught my eye. The sheriff, I believe his name was Jerry Peralta, if I pronounced that correctly, was going up and down the highway right there along the edge of the water in Past Christian. And he was going up, warning people to get out of the houses and out of the apartments that were right there along the edge, the water's edge. He pulled up to the Richelieu apartments in past Christiane just hours before Camille would make landfall. The Richelieu apartments were about 250 feet from the edge of the water. The story goes on to say that when Camille roared on shore, it was clocked at uh, over 200 miles an hour. As that, that sheriff's deputy went up to the door to get people out of the houses for the imminent storm that was coming, they were throwing a hurricane party. And they told the sheriff, they says, look, this is our property. If you want us to leave, you're going to have to arrest us. And they were just living it up. So the sheriff's deputy took his time to write down the name of every person in the house. There were 20 of them. The storm came on shore, 205 miles an hour. Days later, he would go down, and all that was left, of the Richelieu apartments in Past Christian, Mississippi, was a slab. There was one survivor... It was a five-year-old boy clinging to some debris that was left around the house. A five-year-old boy. The rest of those people who decided that they could ride it out. Hey, we're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. What we've got is good enough. There's no need for us to make a move. We're satisfied with where we're at. And I know we probably should move. But hey, we're just going to take it for granted that what we have is good enough. And they found out that they could not ride out a storm of that magnitude. Jericho found out that they could not ride out God. Jericho shut the windows and shut the doors, and they said, you know what? What we've built is nice. Let's just put our hope and our trust in what we've got, and let's just see if it'll ride out. And they found out that what their satisfaction was giving them would crumble. Now, I beg you this morning, if the Holy Spirit of God stirs your heart as a lost sinner needing to be saved... Or as a Christian this morning, he's stirring your heart to make sure he has his rightful place in your life and in your home and in this church. I encourage you this morning, you better heed the words of the Holy Spirit of God. Let's not be satisfied with where we're at and what we've got. Let's make sure this morning that God is in his rightful place. used to work construction and uh, we have a level, you know, a level, got that long, that long wooden stick with the water and the bubble in it. That's what that is. It's a level. And uh, that level is how we would find out if, if things were straight and things were, were tall is the it's supposed to be. And I can remember several times as I was checking uh, a measurement for my dad, I would ask my dad, what does it look like? And he looks at the level and he says, it's a half a bubble off. You know what that means? A half a bubble off. It means it's close. It's just not between the lines. And so we'd bump the wall. We're trying to get the wall straight up. We'd bump the wall, put the level back up. It's a quarter of a bubble off. And we keep bumping that wall, bumping that wall. Finally, the bubble would get right there in the middle We're supposed to be. Now, look, this morning, I'm not saying our lives are are totally out of whack today. But if the Holy Spirit of God comes and says, your life is a half a bubble off, you better heed the Holy Spirit of God and make sure God gets in the center and the rightful place and the level of your life. Or if you don't, you'll be like Jericho. You'll find out that your walls are not going to work very long. The last thing I want to see about Jericho, as Jericho hunkered down behind their walls, I want you to think about what they were looking for those walls to do for them. So you imagine this conquering army is coming in to invade your city. You've decided to ride it out in the walls that you have built and be satisfied with what you have. You're looking for those walls to be your hope, you're looking for those walls to be your strength. You're looking for those walls to sustain you and protect you. It dawned on me as I was reading through Joshua the other day that Jericho was looking to their wall to be their God. Think about that. God is supposed to be our hope. God is supposed to be our strength. God is supposed to be our strong tower. God is supposed to be our fortress. God is supposed to be our peace. But Jericho looked at their walls... As their alternative to God. Can I tell you. It does not matter this morning. It does not matter what you build. If it is in the place of God. It will crumble. A wall that will not work. Is a wall that you put in the place of God. Jericho realized. That only God could give them hope. The wall could not give them hope. The wall could not give them peace. The wall could not give them strength. The wall could not be their protector. As Brother Heath sang about, that cleft of the rock. All they could do that was God. And this little ragtag army of of migrants traveling across the desert would bring those walls down. Why? Because Israel had God on their side of the wall. That's what made Israel so mighty. I want you to know, it's a mistake when you substitute anything in the place that only God could do. It's a mistake to substitute anything in the place for what only God could do. So, what do you mean? You say, "Well, you know, I think people would be, I think people would be unwise to do that." Well, of course, it, in principle, that sounds correct. But you know, so often we put our jobs in front of God. We put our kids in front of God. We do. We put everything else in front of God. It's a mistake to put anything in God's place because whatever you put in the place of God, it's got to do for you what only God could do. Think about it. Can your job do for you what only God could do? Then you better not put it in God's place. The best thing you could ever do for our kids this morning is to make sure God has the rightful place in our home and not our kids. I see this all the time. We put our kids ahead of God. I want you to know I love my daughter, wherever she's at this morning. Amen. You wait, good deal. I love my daughter this morning, but she can't do for me what God can do for me. My daughter can't do for my home what God can do for my home. So the best thing that I can do for my daughter is make sure that there's no alternative to God inside the walls of our house. God's got to have that first spot. God's got to have that top spot. God's got to be the one that we seek first. Why? Because I want her to enjoy all the things that'll come after. Amen. Matthew 6:33. The other day, uh, our, our guys were uh, singing out of town, and so my wife was doing PE for the girls' volleyball. And she says, Will you come over and help me uh, teach volleyball? I hate to tell you this, but I've never taught volleyball before in my life. I know you get the ball over the net, and that's about it. And so I'm over there having a grand old time, Brother Brent. I hate to tell you this. I, I'm over there with these flags, they had red flags. I'm having a good old time. They even have a, like a small deer stand. You climb up on these ladders by the net and you're holding up these flags and I'm just having a blast. But I'll tell you, I was a very poor substitute for a volleyball coach. Amen, girls? Amen. Go ahead, amen. It's all right. I was not very good at it, okay? I don't need to be a volleyball coach. I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, I was like, just break their clavicle, you know? If they get in your way, go up there and spike that ball and come down, you know, I'm, I'm a poor substitute that has a sin nature still. Now, can I tell you this this morning? Be careful what you substitute for God. Whatever you substitute for God has got to be able to do what God can do. And Jericho thought, you know what? The alternative to God, we don't have God, but we got nice walls. They would not stand. This is why 1 Samuel 12, listen to this. 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 21. Verse 20, the Bible says, And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all, all your heart. Now verse 21 is key, underline this in your Bible. And turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. Old Jericho, put their trust in their wall. They put their trust in what they built They put their trust in what they had, but they found out that walls are poor substitutes for an almighty God. Be careful putting something in God's place because verse 21 of 1 Samuel 12, the Bible says, those things cannot profit nor deliver for they're in vain. I'll tell you this morning, a job is a poor excuse for a God. A job is a poor excuse for a God. Your job will never be able to do for you what God can You better make sure God's in that spot where our job is at. Your hobbies and my hobbies, they're poor excuses for God. Well, I don't have time. Look, deer season's coming up. I know it. Huge drop-off in church attendance. <laughs> deer season. You know, it's the only day that I get off. Be careful putting our hobbies and our habits in a place of God because I want you to know as much as I like deer meat, it can't do for me what God can there's no alternative to God. And, and Jericho would find out that these walls would not work. So this morning, what are walls that won't work? Well, your best effort. The walls of Jericho is their best effort. Still not good enough. Your best effort, listen, is not good enough to take the place of Almighty God. God. Can't do it. If you're here this morning and you're lost, you're not sure that you're saved, look, your best effort, you can be good. You can get baptized. You can, you can pray the prayer and pray to Mary, pray to Allah, pray to Buddha. You can do all of these things. It's not going to be good enough. God's got to be in the mix. Maybe you're saved here this morning. You know for sure that heaven's your home, but you're trying your best effort without God. You're trying, well, you know what, I'm smart enough. I've been to Bible college and I've been to all. No, it doesn't matter. Your best effort without God is not your best effort. Maybe this morning you're satisfied with what you've got. Maybe you're hiding behind your satisfaction. Look, I don't need to move. I don't need to get out of the way. I don't need to to redo things in my life because uh, what I've got is going to be fine. Or whatever the alternative is today, I want to assure you there are walls that won't work. They're not going to work. And you're going to prove God right. I'll promise you every person in this room is going to prove God right. You're going to prove him right by your obedience and saying, you know what? We've got a nice church here. We've Got a nice building. You know what? Sometimes we use God like training wheels. Gets us started. Then after a while, we learn how to ride a bike. We take the training wheels off. God's not training wheels. He is the wheels. This thing ain't moving without him. We've got a nice church. We've got a lot of people. We have good offerings. We got a great school. Okay, God, thank you. We'll take it from here. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Our best effort, whatever the alternative, we can never substitute a program. We can never substitute people or our prophets for what only God could do. So you say, what are we supposed to do? I'll give you this and we'll be done. Turn back to chapter two. This morning, I think many of us need to trade in walls that don't work. We need to trade in our best efforts for God's. Trade in what we're satisfied with, with what can only satisfy Trading the alternative for the one true God. Joshua 2, look down to verse 9. Rahab says this, And she said unto them, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Goes on down to verse number 10 to tell you what they've heard about. Verse 11, And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my Father's house and give me a true token. Notice what Rahab did. Rahab realized this thing's going down. She says, God's blessed you. He's dried up the sea. We see what you did in verse 10 to all the other kings whom you utterly destroyed, the Bible says. She says, I know what we've got here looks nice, but I know it's coming down because you've got the true God on your side. She says, I want to abandon my wall and trust in your God." That's exactly what she did. You know the story of how before they went in, they brought, Jer- uh, brought Rahab and her family out of there. She said, I'm leaving the wall for the one true God. Now this morning, listen to me. You said, well, what do we need to do if we're trusting in walls that won't work? What if we're trusting in our best efforts? What if, we're, what if we're trusting in who we already are and what we're satisfied with? What if we're trusting in some alternative this morning? You better abandon the walls that don't work. And Turn to the one true God because you know what Rahab said notice what she said in verse 11 For the Lord your God. He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath She says i'm willing to leave that behind for a wall that will work and that's God Can I ask you this morning? What are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? Do you trust in your good works to get you to heaven? Are you trusting in the fact that you've been baptized? you trusting in the fact that you have a Bible? Are you trusting in the fact that you pray? Are you trusting in the only one true God through the work that his son did on the cross of Calvary? Maybe you're here today and you're saved. Can I ask you, what are you building? And then more importantly, what are you building it with? Is God in the center of your life? Is God in the center of your wall? Is God in the center of your home or is God on, listen, God forbid, on the outside of your wall? I pray this morning we'll get God right there in the center of the bubble. We'll get our walls exactly the way he would have them be, that they'll stand. Now, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Let's stand to our feet. Can I ask you this question?